Hello and welcome to the spiritguides.co.uk network radio show with your host, Mark Chatterton. Tonight, we would like to welcome onto the show Barbara Micklejohn Free, who is also known as the Highland Seer. Many of you listening will be familiar with Barbara's work from the many mind, body and spirit events that Barbara appears at. Barbara has many talents, including being a seer, a shaman, a medium, high priestess, healer, singer, drummer, dancer and storyteller, to name but a few. So I'd like to say a warm welcome to you, Barbara. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? OK, I'm fine. I'm good. How are you? Yes, I'm great. Thanks very much. Good to speak to you. That's great. Well, thank you for agreeing to be interviewed on our show. And uh, the first question I'd like to ask you is, you originally came from Inverness in the north of Scotland, mm -hmm. and you knew from an early age about spirit. Yeah. How how did this affect you growing up? Because I understand you were bullied by other children because of this. Um, let's just say myself and like a lot of people, it, it wasn't an easy childhood. I lived, as you know, up in Inverness in the Highlands of Scotland, and they weren't too used to, especially children walking around saying, oh, I'm seeing somebody's mother or father or... You know, so I was constantly in school, at church, I was constantly seeing spirit all the time. So for me, it was very, very difficult. And yes, I was stoned in school. Um, I looked at um, one boy and I told him that he was going to fall and break his leg and to be careful. And of course, he did. And so the next thing, of course, that happened was that I was blamed for it and um, stoned. So I was very much living my life alone. I was an only child. And nobody really understood what I was going through. But fortunately enough, because the spirit world were around me all the time, I had a lot of help. Uh, I didn't get help from my adopted parents. I didn't get help from school being dyslexic and left-handed. <clears throat> I was classed as stupid. And I didn't get help from the church. In fact, the complete opposite. So it was a very tough time up until about the age of 12 when, of course, I met Swain MacDonald, the Highland Seer. Yes, because I was going to ask you about him, because um, once you met him, it sort of, the experience really helped you to develop, and um, he was called the Highland Seer, and he had a great influence on you. Is that where you, you got the title from as well? That's right. It was handed down to me a lot of times. Um, lineage lines of this type are either handed down by blood, or they handed down to the apprentice. And I was very fortunate that a couple of years before Swain died, um, and he'd recognized in me when I was 12 that I'd had the gift of second sight. I was lucky. You know, there's a lot of um, children, you know, even today, that don't have um, that, that person around them as I did with Swain to help them. And so at that difficult time in my life, as I was growing up, Swain was a great influence. And... I always remember him because when I walked into the room, you know, he was very, very, I'm looking at his photograph just now as I'm speaking, and uh, it was white beard, white hair, and, and he just absolutely knew, and he knew me, and having had 12 years of not a very nice life, to all of a sudden say, it's okay, lass, and he always called me lass, you know, it's okay, I know what you're going through and I can help you. So having the, the lineage line, he, he handed me his um, seer stone and said, this is for you, this is, this is your gift, and you have this ability, and, and would you carry it on? And 
for me, it took a long time, even after Swain died, to actually walk into that place of actually calling myself the the Highland Seer. And, you know, it was it was a great, great honor. And it, I was fortunate, you know, when his daughter found out, and I remember getting an email saying, how do you call yourself the Highland Seer? And I wrote to her and said, you know, Swain had bestowed it upon me. Um, she fully endorsed that and and that was that was a great um a great delight and Swain's always around me and I also remember after he passed the spirit um I had this uh, text message and all it said was hello lass I hope you're well now nobody else called me that and of course I phoned that number and the number wasn't in service all right so spirit work in wonderful ways I was going to say to you, um, for the benefit of the listeners, what exactly does a seer do? Okay, a lot of it's interesting. A lot of people actually ask me this, and it's a very old title. I mean, it's been around for thousands of years, and especially in the Highlands of Scotland and Ireland, a seer is one who walks between the worlds. So it's very much as somebody would recognise as a medium. But what we do, it's, it's very much a seer is akin to a shaman. It's one who walks between the worlds and combines both mediumship, healing, intuitive work, and many other aspects. So it's looking at and working with people as, as a whole rather than, say, individually, as in just contacting the dead. It's much more than that. It's a combination of soul retrieval, past lives. It's, it's what I phrase, and a lot of people use it these days in many different contexts, as timelining. So when I work with somebody, what I'm actually doing is I'm working with their, their soul records, who they've been, where they've come from, and who they are today. And so a seer is one that is, it's, it's classed as clear seeing, to be able to see into the past, the present, and the future simultaneously together as one. Okay. Now, in, in 2007, you brought out your book, The Heart of All Knowing, which is a mixture of your life story, teaching, and sort of practical exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, you tell us that you were adopted, but you were eventually reunited with your birth mother, as an experience, did you find this helpful or did you find it a hindrance? <laughs> um, interestingly enough, I actually thanked her for putting me up for adoption. Um, you have, when you're adopted, you have this... Um, I always had a thing, well, I don't know who I am, where I've come from, and yet the spirit world had already told me about myself and about my my lineage line, my soul lineage line. So... When um, when I met my birth mother, I I was very I had built up this ideology this this impression of her being like me and she was nothing like me and and it was really interesting because she was and she still is alive today four forty eleven and and I just looked at her and I just thought okay where did I spring from what was interesting from that and and how I came to find my my family, as you read in the book, was that um, four weeks after my adopted mother had died, the phone rang and it was my eldest brother going, we've been looking for you for 30 years. And the last thing my adopted mum had said was, I don't want you to be alone. 
And I absolutely know that she had instigated that from the spirit world so that I wouldn't be alone. So out of that, meeting my birth mother, she didn't reveal anything at all to me. It was actually my Uncle George on my father's side that revealed that I was a Sinclair from a very old lineage line. And the other interesting thing is that being a, a Jameson and a McGilvery was, and it's in my next book, was that I actually used to go up to the Battle of Culloden and sit by the stream beside the tombstone of the clan McGilvery. So I sat beside my ancestors all the time from a very early age. So for me, I just laughed. So it's it's always interesting how we're drawn to these places. And it's it's just very much about trusting but for me, it completed and, and was an amazing journey. So I have nothing but to thank my my birth, my blood mother for giving me birth and, and putting me up for adoption because otherwise I wouldn't be where I am today. Now, um, obviously, you had a difficult childhood, but your teenage years were perhaps even harder because mm-hmm. I understand at the age of 15, you, you left home yeah. and then you had this experience where you were raped at knife point. Yeah. Yeah. And as a result, you tried to kill yourself on three different occasions. That's right. Yet at the third time, you, it led to you being rescued in a quite fantastic yeah. way. Could you yeah. tell us what actually happened there? Well, I, 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 it's interesting when, when I speak to people about this and, and I speak from my life's experiences, I always remember I didn't want to leave the planet as such. I just wanted to get out of the situation. And the first two times, it was uh, quite an interesting experience. The third one, I always remember, um, because at that point in my time, I was drinking because my, my adoptive father had been alcoholic, and I was drinking. And, and I remember, right, I'm going to do it right this time. And I remember always going down to the, the loch because there's many canals on the way out to Loch Ness. And I went down to a friend's house there, and I got drunk, and... I remember walking and going to the the canal side where the gates are, and I just slid down into the water, and I remember the cold and saying, that's it, I've had enough. And the next minute, I was pulled out of the water by my hair, and I just remember seeing this pair of sandals, of all things, because it was in, in my embrace, sort of winter, spring, it was quite cold. And there was this pair of sandals, and I looked at this pair of sandals, and then the person just vanished. And for me, that was that was my wake-up call. That was a real thing. No, you're not going anywhere. You're staying put. And from that moment on, it, it changed my perspective. I stopped drinking. Um, I stopped um, stopped beating myself up. And so it was a very, a very, very big turning point in my life. Right. So from that point onwards, you, you obviously learned a lot about the shamanic teachings from around the world and these have influenced your work today especially from the native american indian tradition could you tell us a little bit about what you actually do as a shaman and i understand a lot of the workshops you do are based on shamanic practices that's right well shamanism is roughly about 2.6 million years old and it predates any religions or indoctrinations and for me, having traveled all over the world and having met many different cultures, and when I was growing up, um, Swain introduced me to Druidry, Paganism, Peter Witter, which of course is a Scottish witchcraft. And from that, 
I had a calling because I'd seen Touch the Clouds, my guide, at a very early age. I had to go to America. And over there, I met Ed McGraw, Eagle Man, who's still alive. He's 75 now. And the reason I did this was because, being dyslexic, I was looking for oral teachings. Right. And so when I got there, um, it just ticked all the right boxes. And it was there was somebody who understood, understood that the way that I learned was by listening and remembering through storytelling. And so it was a natural way. There wasn't any rules or regulations. It was a very natural way of being, working with the spirit world, working with healing, working with all the different aspects that I do. Just was in tune with myself, with other people, and in nature. So for me, you know, going through the the rites of passage, um, as I did, and, the, you know, rites of passage, one of them, you know, there was I going through my death and rebirth. Um, I tried that three times. It didn't work. So through my rape, um, I created my own endometriosal cancer. And again, that was another death and rebirth. And it's it's... Fortunate enough, not everybody has to go through this process. <laughs> I just like to learn the hard way. It's sort of like, are you got it yet? No, let's just go another step further. Okay, well, let's do this or let's do that. And um, But it's a great, great teaching. I remember through my near-death experiences the first two times, I were beautiful. I went to the light. It was incredible. I saw the relatives in the spirit world. The third time, I went to hell and... Uh, the hell that I created through creating the self, in other words, who I wasn't through all the stories, because when you're adopted, you become very insecure and you have a lot of issues about abandonment. So you tend to make up things. And so for me, this death, the final death I went through, um, was a stripping away of all those fears and all those pains and all those disbeliefs and it stripped me right down and I again I came back going wow um, this was a very interesting experience I have to say my life has been incredible fascinating I'm 55 years old and I've just had such great wisdom teachings in this lifetime never mind all the other lifetimes I've gone through so shamanism ticks all the boxes for me. It explains everything. It's it's incredible because there's a lot of unanswered questions and shamanism, shamanism has an incredible way. I'm, just very briefly, I remember a lady came to me uh, about a year ago and she'd had pain in her head for four years. And I looked at her and she had blocked Kundalini energy. And as soon as I said this and I just worked with her head and explained about a previous lifetime, it, the pain had gone. And so for me, it really does explain a tremendous amount of things where sometimes, you know, the the the, the world of, you know, absolutely embrace, you know, the hospitals. I've got a fantastic doctor who believes in complementary medicines. And shamanism is where that part, they look at the... The, the, the physical aspect, but shamanism looks deeply at the emotional, the mental, the spiritual aspect of illnesses and how that they can be healed. Right, because you mentioned briefly about the rites of passage um, mm. that a lot of young people nowadays seem to miss out on. Yeah. Um, what do you think that we as adults should be doing to help our young people in this area? Well, it's very much... 
there's a lot of people out there who have a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom. Um, there's a lot of young people out there who are absolutely incredible, who are coming through, remembering who they are, remembering their wisdom and knowledge. So it's very much about being there and helping and assisting them. My next book, The Shaman Within, Healing Rites of Passage, is about the eight rites of passage that we go through in our lives. And it's really important that they're honored. You know, we we tend not to, you know, honor our name or any of the other rites of passage that we go through. People have a great fear of death. It's not explained enough. So... For young people nowadays, I feel very much that what's needed is us to be there to be able to answer those questions that they ask. I remember myself being a teenager, I had a lot of questions to ask, and I was fortunate I had Swain there to answer them. But when we go through that period in our lives, especially sort of from 13 up to 18, 19, I remember it being absolutely horrendous, um, both from hormones and having out-of-body experiences and there wasn't anybody around to explain. So, you know, we need to make ourselves available as teachers, as facilitators to be on hand for those that are looking to us. You know, we are tomorrow's ancestors. We are the elders and and we need to, to step up into that sacred place and be there for the youngsters, you know, our tomorrow's ancestors. Right. Um, on your website, it, mm-hmm. it says you are a high priestess of Isis. Mm-hmm. O- obviously, there's a strong connection between you and Egypt, um, especially yeah. in reading your book. Why do you think this is so? Well, again, it's past lives. I always remember when I first came in, to, when I came into this lifetime, I always had this memory of this temple and these pillars, and I was dancing. And it always stayed with me until 25 years ago, I walked through into Karnak, into the hypostalic hall, and that was it. I absolutely knew where I was. And it's it's that deja vu. It's like, whoa, I've been here before. And I always remember I was with a group of people, and I started saying, well, this is here, and this is there, and that shouldn't be there, and that shouldn't be there. And it was absolutely fascinating that I absolutely knew where everything was, and I could speak to the Egyptologists and the archaeologists, and, and, and still to this day do so. Um, a friend of mine, Salah, who's one of the inspectors at the, the Karnak Temple, when they were excavating outside of Karnak, there's all the, the Roman baths that they're now uncovering. And I remember when they were knocking down the, the houses out there, you know, I was saying, well, there's this here. And and so it's it's quite incredible how, you know, we don't just have the memories of this lifetime. We have the memories of all our previous lifetimes. Why don't we remember? Because it's been taken away from us. You know, when you go back, I know I'm I'm deviating a bit from Egypt, but when you go back to the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, you know, that, that was taken away from us, our ability to access our soul. Every man, woman, and child up to that point was able to do so. So reincarnation, the remembrance of who we have always been was taken away from us in those times and so it's now that when I say to people and they'll say well I had this dream last night or I have this very vivid memory it's because we do access those on a regular basis 
And a lot of people say, well, you might think this is crazy. And I say, well, I don't think it's crazy at all because I myself have been through that place of going to places, knowing where things are. Uh, So, again, it's been an incredible experience to, you know, to turn up at a sacred site. I'm doing sacred site cards at the moment with Yuri Lech, who's an amazing artist. And it's about these cards used as portals in our past lives. So I love it, Mark, because I don't read but You know, I'm not a book person. I no. find something out and then I go and go, ooh! And, and it's so exciting. I always remember once a friend of mine is a photographer and goes around the sacred sites and he finds out about them before he goes there. And I go, oh, no, that's boring. I want to get there, get the information from that sacred site and then go and research it. And to me, that's more exciting because you're accessing that, you know, direct wisdom, that, you know, universal consciousness. And that, to me, is is an incredible. So I would say to people, trust what they sense, trust what they see, trust what they feel. Everybody's been too directed into the mind at the moment rather than working with their feelings and their knowing. Because I see from your website that you are going to lead to uh, tours to Egypt this year yeah. and one of them you're going to actually be there on the 21st of December um, mm-hmm. and that includes a lot of um, undertaking sacred rituals while you're there. Yeah. Could you yeah. like to tell us a little bit about that? Well I started going to Egypt, I was called to Egypt over 25 years ago and each temple I went into I was led through the energy points, the chakras, so starting at Abu Simbel all the way up to Cairo to the Great Pyramids. Now, the Great Pyramids for me, I've always been very lucky that when I've gone there, as you probably read in my book, there was one time I said to my friends, I'm going to the Great Pyramids this time and I'm going to be in the dark on my own. And of course, I got there, spoke to Fagani and he said, well, that's not possible. And we turned up and uh, the guards there who know me at the, the Great Pyramid looked at me and said, well, there's no electricity. And Fagani looked at me and said, off you go. So I had four four hours in there in the dark. Um, and, and, of course, I've been in there many times, so I knew exactly where everything was and had an incredible experience in there. And so what we're doing is retracing the steps of the ancestors. I work a lot in sound healing and vibration. In fact, I've just come back from the recording studios and we're doing a CD and chakra alchemy. And what I'm doing is working with the sounds that were recorded in the Great Pyramids for healing on a very, very deep level. So I find that from the whole world, Egypt to me has the greatest history, um, has amazing temples, and I'm very honored and very blessed that the the guardians of, of each of these temples I've got to know personally and so I am able to have access there when the tourists aren't there and we have them to ourselves with nobody else around. And that way you can really connect with the ancestors of the land. And as you know, going to any sacred site, um, the spirits abound there. And so everybody has that opportunity and that chance to connect. And, and it is amazing. I have to say that I never tire of it. For me, every time I go there, there's always something new happening. Is there any significance that you're actually going to be there on the 21st of December, or was that just the way it, it panned out? No, no, it was absolutely planned 20-odd years ago, 15, 20 years ago. I had a vision of being inside the Great Pyramid on the 21st of December. 
2012, and I was told that I needed to be in there at 11 o'clock. Um, and so if there was anywhere in the world, um, I don't believe in the end of the world, by the way. No, I'm, um, I'm about to ask you that, actually. <laughs> you've been asked me that, I'm yeah. a psychic. <laughs> I don't believe in the end of the world at all. I believe absolutely it is a change of consciousness. It is a change of, uh, what I say, stepping up to the mark, getting rid of what no longer serves us, stepping out of all the drama and trauma and, and being that hollow bone and allowing ourselves to work and through our heart center direct with spirit. So for me, anywhere in the world I'd be in the Great Pyramid. Absolutely, yes. There isn't anywhere else in the world I would rather be at that moment in time. Right. Because I know you've written an article on your views on 2012 in Prediction mm-hmm. Magazine. So yeah. so perhaps if people want to know what, what, what you think about it in a bit more detail, they can have a look at Prediction Magazine. Exactly. And I've just, I'm from June, I'm now going to be the resident shamanic expert in Predictions Magazines as well. So I'm going to be talking a lot more. I, it's, it's, you know, really good of the editor and everything have, have come to me. And so I... What Swain always taught me was that up until the age of 50, I would start writing books. And so all the the knowledge and the wisdom that I'd accumulated throughout the years would then be written in books, doing CDs, doing cards. So for me, what could be better? You know, 55, and I feel like a 15-year-old having a whale of a time. I've never... It's just fantastic i've my life is phenomenal exciting and alive and so you know i joked with somebody the other day i said yeah i can get see me getting on stage at 75 starting chanting and singing (laughs) and i know i'll keep doing it until the day i pass back to the summerlands yeah yeah because um one other thing i wanted to ask you about which you mentioned in your book is the idea of the the twin flame that that we all mm. have in some way mm-hmm. or other, and mm-hmm. you've got a wonderful story in the book about how you met your husband David. I don't That's know. Right. Would you like to just mention that briefly? Yes, it was. It's been an interesting journey because I'd always known that um, that I would. I always had this vision of a Native American, and I'd always knew that um, he was in America. I'd even gone so much as to join all the teaching services in America. I was so determined to to find him because I absolutely knew that that twin flame, that soulmate. And, you know, there's, we have many soulmates on many different levels. And um, I, I'd ended up in hospital. I hadn't been very well, got out of hospital and went, I'm off to Hawaii. And that was it. I absolutely knew, got in the car and 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 drove i was sort of saying the car was even driving down the road and i'm going no i'm not going there i'm supposed to be going to this bed and breakfast and i drove down the road for about an hour and a half and said right that's it the next bed and breakfast i'm stopping and of course stopped in um dragonfly ranch and they climbed the stairs and there he was waiting for me and he said i knew you were coming i knew you were coming from old europe he said and um so, yes, an interesting journey, definitely love, you know, comes all the way from Hawaii and is now living in Britain, you know, that uh, that is, is, is a love. And, yeah, we've had our ups and downs, but then what relationship doesn't? It's about working through the challenges that are given to us and recognizing that we're all connected. And, and you know, since that point, I have to say that 
you know, I've had many teachers and somebody asked me the other day, you know, who is your greatest teacher at the moment? And I said, David is, because he's, he's showing me a way to be grounded, to be centered, to be a hollow bone, to speak my truth, you know, and, and so it's amazing, you know, because we, we have those reflections around us to show us who we are and how we can be the best that we can be. Right, because yeah, I know I know you're now based in Buxton in Derbyshire, uh, where you have a shop called Arnamitias. Arnamitias. Arnamitias, right? <laughs> yes. Um, could you tell us the reason why why you're you're now in Buxton and um, tell us a little bit about your shop? Well, the reason I came to Buxton again was a, a wonderful journey. I was up in Scotland, and my ex partner James, I met him. Uh, funnily enough, in Manchester, and he said, well, do you want to move down? And I said, yes. And he showed me a map, and I put my finger on the map, and he wanted to live more in the sort of Stockport area. Well, we ended up in Buxton, and I was looking in the estate agent and saw this house, and I said, that's the one. So we went to Fern House, and I walked in, and the first thing I noticed was one of my drums that... um, I, I, well, I don't sell them. They, when they're ready to go, they go. And John Langley looked at me and said, oh, I've just got this drum off you. And I went, that's right. And I walked out into the back, and the land spoke to me. And all I heard was, I am the goddess of the water in the grove. Um, two weeks later, I was going through the airport, and a book fell off the shelf about, off about Aqua Arnimisia. And Arnimisia is Anu or Danu. And... And so this is how I came to be in Buxton, and that's why the shop is called Arnamisia, after the goddess of the water in the grove. And it's very high up. The water is amazing. We drink Buxton. We go down to the well, and we gather the well water, bring it back up. It's freely available for everybody, which is amazing, because there's not many of them left now. And so that's why I'm now here, the shop. The shop is actually on very ancient land. It's on Market Street, and the basement is on the old Roman road that was the road actually leading to Arnimisia's temple. So I'm very happily ensconced here uh, with the shop. The shop's been here now seven years, and I love it when I'm here. <laughs> I'm always, <laughs> as you know, I'm always at the shows. Um, mind, body, and spirit. Uh, Mel, who runs the MBS, uh, you know, has said, you are the hardest working shamanic person out. You're always on the go. Why do I do that? Because I love meeting people. I love what I'm I'm doing. I don't want to write a book. And then, you know, and people like to meet people. And I like to meet people. And I like to share what I've learned. And I love taking the drums out there. And I love singing. And I I love waking people up. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was going to say, you've, you've obviously visited many lands all around the world and experienced all sorts of different spiritual traditions. Uh, would mm-hmm. you say that any one place resonates with you, or, or do you have an affinity with most oh. of them? For me, again, it's the ancient sites, because when we, we go back to those lands, you can remember those times. You know, on the sacred sites, you leave an imprint so when you walk onto these lands, you're walking back through time to a time when you were once there before. So 
um, the Native American culture, I love. I love the different traditions there. I love the philosophies. I love their sacred, you know, the seven sacred uh, rites of passage. Um, I love the Aboriginal and Maori people, the Maasai. Oh, gosh. I mean, it's the Celtic, the lands. I mean, everywhere I've gone through South America, working with the indigenous cultures there, to the Native American lands, to Canada, to the people there. Oh, gosh, to Africa, to Egypt, into Turkey. Oh, I, I've just been so fortunate and so blessed that I've traveled around. I have a wonderful Cherokee grandmother called Grandmother Jean, who I've just visited in Taos, New Mexico. And I'm very honored and very blessed to have met some amazing people who hold those ancient traditions and carry them through storytelling of their people. And and they want to share this knowledge and wisdom because it's, you know, so much has been lost nowadays in our material world, and it's and it's time to, you know, my next book, The Shaman Within, it's time to, to walk back into those ancient traditions and, and help people to understand that spirit are not dead. They're very much alive. They are everywhere in every rock, every mountain, every tree, every river, every raindrop, spirit abound, and they're waiting for us to come back onto the land and communicate with them and speak with them. And that's very important. It, have you actually got a publication date for your book or is it still in the pipeline at the moment? It's 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 very interesting at the moment because Ed McGraw Eagle Man is, is wanting to do a book and so I'm probably looking at me doing the forward for that. So there's a lot of things going on at the moment um, with the coming and, and, and writing for um, Predictions magazine as well. We're in the final edit of that, and I'm just sitting with it. Every time I go to say, right, that's it, then something else comes along and I have to put something else in the book. And it's this book has sort of been, it's twice the size of my first one, and it sort of keeps growing. And then, you know, I've got a lot of other books to write, but this one just likes a little bit more and especially as we work through the energy of this year of 2012, there's a lot of things that have been placed into it. That, And for me, it's been a great teaching because my first book um, was written with the help of my husband and with the help of um, my, my soul sister, Jackie, and many other people. This time, I've done it myself. Um, so it's like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I did it. <laughs> and so I felt myself taught with the help of David and other people around me to actually be able to write myself. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really running out of time here, but I, I just yeah. want to say, I, I presume for the next few months, you're, you're going to be your usual bu busy self, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out there. I'm doing loads of mediumship dems, demonstrations this year. Um, I'm I'm full on now, constantly. In fact, I think the next break I get a couple of days in June and then a couple of days in July, and then I'm all the way through up until December, and already I'm being booked out next year. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, life, that's the way I, I love my life. You know, I'm not one to sit around, though I do take time for me now. Yeah, I do take yeah. time to breathe. That is the one thing. Somebody said to me the other day, what about your own self-development? And I said, I am taking time out and I am, 
you know, enjoying myself and 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 taking those spaces in between the chaos and the busyness. <laughs> so I am listening to what I tell everybody else to do. <laughs> Some of the time, not all of the time, but some of the time. But well, I just love it. Well, we'll we'll put all all the the dates on on the website at the end of, end of the interview, so yeah. people can see if, where you you're going to be next, and mm-hmm. maybe come along to to some of your workshops or whatever. Yeah, but, that would be great. But it's been fascinating hearing all that you've had to say and and all the things that have happened in your life, Barbara. And uh, I think you're a great influence on a lot of people. And I'd like to thank you mm-hmm. very much for for doing this interview. Oh well, thank you, Mark. I mean. Everything that I've experienced, everything has been positive. You know, even through all the suicides and near deaths, it has taught me so much. And that's what I want to do. I want to help people that feel that sometimes, you know, life is very hard. It's it's learning from those experiences. It makes us stronger people. That's great. Well, thank you. Thank you very much then, Barbara. Oh, thank you, Mark. It's been great speaking with you.